This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. There's a, a line in Jurassic Park movie that I love, which one of the characters says, nature finds a way. And that's how I kind of looked at this the last six months. It's like nature found the way. The human spirit found the way to persevere. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Tanya Pratt. She's vice president at Oracle Hospitality and leads the Opera Cloud strategy and product management teams. Prior to joining Oracle Hospitality, she spent over 20 years at Fairmont Hotels and Resorts in operations, revenue management, distribution, and CRM. In 2020, with a more than 50% decline in hotel revenues and 70 plus percent of the hospitality workforce furloughed or laid off, Oracle released a study looking at the path to recovery for the hotel industry. With industry experts providing their outlooks and best practices, the report came a much needed roadmap for the path forward. On this episode, Tanya discusses the report in more detail and gives us a look into how Oracle Hospitality is approaching 2021. So let's get to it. This is episode 36 of the Proven Principles podcast, Tanya Pratt on data-driven hospitality recovery. Enjoy. Tanya, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for the invitation, Adam. I can't wait. I'm really to, looking forward to this. What a way to kick off 2021. You, exactly. Yeah, I think we've got a good good subjects to talk about, but more importantly, it's great to talk to uh, uh, another Fairmont alum. And a Canadian. And another Canadian. Not a lot of Canadians been on the show. <laughs> so, so a lot of firsts. First for 2021, another first Canadian. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. It's good. Let's so, start a trend. Let, I think we should. I like it. Um, so, I mean, you and I, I mean, we go back a little bit in our careers working for Fairmont. Um, but for those that didn't work for Fairmont, uh, why don't you give everybody a little taste of kind of who you are, what you've been up to your connection to the industry. What's the, the Tanya origin story? Tanya origin story. Well, it started about 25 years ago. I stumbled into the industry by accident. Um, I was actually in university studying sciences. I wanted to be uh, a scientist for all things. And then I got a summer job working at a hotel in downtown Toronto called, back then it was called the Delta Chelsea Inn. It had Mm -hmm. 1,600 rooms. And by September, I was like, get me out of sciences. I want to be in hospitality. Mm -hmm. I think it was a summer, probably the most unforgettable summer I ever had. We had like three fire alarms, you know, evacuating 1600 rooms in the middle of the night. Um, We had system outages. I mean, this is like back in the nineties, right? Mm -hmm. Where it was like glorified green screens Mm -hmm. and we had system outages. Nobody could get a break and they'd like got us pizza at the front desk. And as a 20-year-old, I'm like, this is the greatest job in the world. Like somebody feeds you, you get all your meals, all your you know, friends are there doing it. And I switched my major. I actually moved into hospitality and tourism management, finished that off and just worked my way up from hotel operations, moving into uh, distribution and revenue management and, and loyalty and CRM. And then found myself in a position about 10 years into it where Uh, The company was going through a bit of a digital transformation and uh, wanted to kind of really implement more modern technologies that will help support different business strategies. And they were building a team within the IT group that was uh, that had people with experiences from operations and kind of hotel management as a whole. And that was really the vision that the CIO of Fairmont had at that time. Uh, and he came to me and said, you know, it sounds like you know what's going on in the hotel world. Do you want to come and help us out do this? And without really thinking too much about it, I thought, why not? Let's do it. I think I had five seconds of bravery in that moment, thinking that this is something I could take on and just make it work. 
Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. I sort of worked my way through the IT department and really building up that team whose focus was really to deliver technologies to the business that we always wanted to use as business people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us that came from hotel operations have been in situations where we've been asked to do things with you know, tools and technologies where it's like, who thought this was a good idea? Like, it's going to make my job <laughs> 10 times harder. It's going to take mm-hmm. me 15 minutes to check somebody in. And by the time I get to person number 10 in the line, they're going to be yelling at me and nobody wants to be yelling at that. So I feel like having that sort of hotel operational experience to this day is something that I always think about whenever we work on new things is that how would I have felt as that front desk agent 25 years ago mm-hmm. if somebody asked me to do this? Would it have been made? Would it have made my job easier um, and in the end made my experience as an employee better, which ultimately helps me make my the experience better for the guests themselves? So mm-hmm. that was sort That's- of my, my path. I mean, well, that's, I mean, it's incredible. We have very similar paths that way where, and I I, key, I always go back to this in hotels and in, in the industry is that it's still to this day, one of the only industries where you can quite literally work your way up one rung at a time, get a taste of so many different parts of the industry, try to figure out what it is that you want to do, but still be connected to it. And you're the perfect example of that. You come up through operations, move to IT, go to distribution. There's all of these different avenues that people can go. And that's why, I think it's still such an exciting dynamic industry if you want to build a career in spite of everything that we've been dealing with for the last, whatever, 10, 10 or 11 months at this point. Um, it's pretty interesting. And actually, fun fact, Delta Chelsea, I think that was the largest hotel in Canada, right? Is it still? It was. It, uh, yes, it is still. Actually, I think they've shut down one of the towers or turned it into apartment buildings. They have since deflagged it. I, I made my way into the Fairmont world in 1999 when Fairmont acquired Delta. That's mm-hmm. how sort of we became a, a single company. But I remember us back then um, talking about how it was not only the largest hotel in Canada, but it was the largest hotel in the British Commonwealth, which oh, right. meant something. Right. And it was a fantastic training ground because we always felt like a little bit like New York. If you can make it in that hotel, you can make it anywhere because the, mm-hmm. the busyness of the lobby and just the number of transactions on a daily basis prepares you for everything. So it was an amazing, amazing training ground. And to your point, the hospitality industry, um, once you get the bug, and you get the bug, I find, very quickly, mm-hmm. is it can take you anywhere. It can take you around the world. It can take you into uh, disciplines you never thought. I mean, I ended up in IT. My my goal initially was to be a general manager of a hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, because when I went into operations, like, I'm going to be a GM one day. Of course, right. And maybe that's my retirement plan. But uh, it's it really, the possibilities are endless as long as you just sort of have the grit and perseverance and the desire to do good work, you can do anything. <clears throat> so you're with Oracle Hospitality now after being in operations in the hotel world uh, for, for a long time. Um, I, I think most listeners are going to know the suite of hospitality products that Oracle offers between Opera and Micros. Um, mm-hmm. But for those that maybe aren't as entrenched in it, can you give us kind of a rundown on how Oracle Hospitality is organized and what's the what are the suite of products and you know how how does that look? Yeah, absolutely. So we are divided into several pillars. We have our strategy and product management group that I am a part of, and I lead uh, Opera Cloud strategy and product management teams. But one of the things that I didn't even know about Oracle Hospitality is that we are also a significant player in the cruise industry. I don't know if many people know that. They think restaurants, they think, you know, hotels, but we're a really, really big player in in cruises as well, which, of course, is one of the areas of the industry that has significantly been affected by the pandemic as well. Some of the other pillars that we have is uh, obviously a development group that my team works very closely with, consulting, support, and sales. So aside from property management system that we are very known, well known for, we also have our sales and catering application, which for in the legacy uh, technology world, we called Opera version five sales and catering. We now call Opera cloud sales and event management. We also have a new distribution platform that we are working on, which is the next generation of our central reservation system. 
which I was also a user of at Fairmont, and I'm sure you're also familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have a new integration platform that we just rolled out that's getting tremendous uh, feedback from both our customer community as well as our partner community because it's sort of dealing with all the pain points that they have historically had with us and trying to integrate our technologies into their various ecosystems. So Mm -hmm. lots of really, really big, exciting things happening, some that um, the industry knows about and some, like I said, like Cruise, that frankly, I did not even know about, even though I was a customer for 15 years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the integration piece, that's that's actually really great to hear. I mean, I know with all of the different... Um, I'm always... I have continued to be amazed at all of the different companies and services that find a way to insert themselves between opera and the guests or like the hotel and the guests. And it's all these little offshoots, whether it's texting or, you know, workflow management and the, the integration piece, I think is, is great to hear. Um, oh, that, uh, absolutely. Well, it, to me it really speaks to the community that hospitality is and how the understanding that nobody can really survive on their own, right? A hotel needs partners, Um, Cruise industries need partners. Everybody needs the partners and the community around them in order to be successful. So that really is what this platform or this integration platform is intended to do, is really kind of connect the community of not just technologies that we have, but also the partner community that we that we have and that we re, we rely on for our success and that our customers rely on for our success. So it, it kind of centralizes, consolidates, streamlines all the interface capabilities and related processes that we've had into a single unified platform, making it that much easier for our customers and our partners to connect. Yeah. And I, I think on that note, leveraging those connections and that community and those partnerships, I mean, that's, that's I'm assuming how the study that Oracle released last year, the data-driven re- recovery and hospitality came to be, uh, it, looking to see what the pain points are and try to give some some insight, maybe a bit of a roadmap or clarity for people that are really struggling out there. A lot of hotel owners, a lot of hotel managers trying to just figure out what to do. Um, and if I'll link to it in the show notes for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but it's a pretty powerful uh, data-driven, data-heavy document that um, that I imagine took a little bit of time to put together. Can you kind of give us a sense on what the genesis was of that report and you know what the goal was to put it out there? Absolutely. And and it's exactly what you said. We just wanted to understand what was happening out there. What was the sentiment in the industry, both for our hotels as well as some partners? And I mean, I should also stipulate that this was back in July. We started the study in May. Mm -hmm. It, It was published in July. And if I think about what the sentiment, not just in the industry, but in the world was back in July, I think a lot of us, myself included, were like, oh, this will be over by the summer, you know, hot weather's coming, this will be behind us, September back to normal, I'm going to be on that plane as soon as they open up the borders. And that has not happened. If anything, you know, in, in Canada specifically, where I'm located, mm-hmm. I feel like we've regressed. In a lot of the world, we've regressed. We've mm-hmm. gone from full lockdowns to restrictions easing to now we're back in lockdowns because the numbers just cannot be controlled and contained. So, I, I think that if we were to do the study today, we may get some different results because mm-hmm. a lot has changed and a lot of the predictions that people had can probably be thrown out the window. I think the only thing that we can predict even about 2021 is that it will be unpredictable. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, the one, I, I the one constant is change. <laughs> the one constant is change, absolutely. So I, I just want the audience to know that, like I said, the, the survey results were, are, came out back in July. So mm-hmm. take that with a bit of a grain of salt. But there's a couple of key findings um, that I think sort of still hold true. So 70% of the hoteliers that we surveyed are considering or have already considered using contactless technologies like digital room key and contactless payment to help limit person-to-person contact. Now, 
In reality, conversations about contactless technologies have been in the industries for years, maybe not decades, but mm -hmm. five, six, seven years. I remember talking about them still at a fair amount at a core, but it was always mm -hmm. like, yeah, we're going to get to it. This year, we're going to you know, buy a new boiler for the hotel. I don't have time right. to change the, I don't have money to change the door locks. <laughs> so there was always some sort of a other priority or some sort of other need to spend the money other than this. Mm -hmm. But what the pandemic has done, it has made these contactless technologies less about uh, when, more about, or less about if, more about when. So really doing it kind of immediately because the guests themselves are demanding it. And we know what we know about our industry is that if the guest demands it, then we will adjust accordingly, right? Versus if somebody from some IT department is trying to make a pitch to the hotel general manager about what technologies they should implement, it, it's always weighed against some other priorities. But if the guests themselves have identified this as a key priority for them, then it's it's a lot easier to gain traction on that. So like I said, 70% of the hoteliers that we surveyed said that this is absolutely a priority for, for them. The consumers concurred with that. Um, back then, 35% of them said that contactless payments are priority for them, but only 26% of them said that digital room keys were priority for them. I think we would see those numbers drastically different today, mm -hmm. right? So even six months later, I would say a lot more consumers will be like, get me that digital key because it's a way to try to you know, resume travel mm -hmm. again. I think everybody's in the end looking to get out of their house. I'm looking right. to get out of my house. I'm like, if I need to be in my house for the next six months, it's <laughs> going to be a difficult time for me and my family. Like right. bubble wrap me. I don't care. Just let me go and stay somewhere else where somebody else will serve me breakfast. Right. Right. So I think we would, we would see that sentiment change. That, that's, that's my belief on that one. Um, we also had 20% of the consumers say that they were really interested in digital messaging services. So instead of you know having to pick up the phone or having to go to the front desk to ask about something, uh, they wanted to receive these messages digitally. Again, I think this is one of the ones where we would see the numbers probably double, if not triple, mm -hmm. if we were to do the survey again. Because uh, again, if I think about to July and think about yourself, Adam, as well, I, the frame of mind that we were in I fundamentally believe was very different than today. Mm -hmm. It was three, four months into it. It was nice, sunny weather, you know, for, for those of us that look forward to nice, sunny weather that don't have the cold the other six months out of the year. And life is just different. You're more like, oh yeah, this will be behind us. And then the reality of the situation hits and September comes in October and November and things are not changing. And you're like, okay, when is this actually going to end? So all that to say is that if we were to ask some of these questions again, I think we would get different answers on that one. So yeah, I think you're absolutely yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the the fatigue around all of this is is definitely a factor. But you know, you've also got news about uh, new strains and sluggish rollout of vaccine campaigns, and it's just it's like we can't get a step forward, right? Um, and I actually stayed in a couple of hotels uh, over Christmas. We are, so I actually, we went to Canada for Christmas. We participated in the Alberta government um, uh, pilot program where you fly into Calgary and you do the quarantine and you do the testing through the airport, through yeah. the government. Uh, and then you have to stay in the province for 14 days. Then we actually came mm -hmm. to your neck of the woods to London, Ontario um, uh, after that, after the 14 days. Uh, but it was interesting to see how mm -hmm. hotels along the path and we stayed at, you know, a Fairmont and we stayed at, you know, an independent and, uh, and then we stayed yeah. at uh, a luxury independent and each one is approaching all of these things differently. But the one thing that still didn't exist was a true contactless check-in experience. And mm -hmm. it's just, it, it goes back to reinforce your point. I think that even though customers are wanting and driving this hotels, whether they're branded or not still resist or still seem to be resisting this level of technology integration, even though like there's massive support for it from their customer base. Yeah. And it's always been very frustrating on the hotel on the, on the front lines, I think, is that, is that that technology adoption has always been quite slow. And you alluded to it, right? There's always something else to spend your money on, but nobody wants to be tip of the spear either. And there was always a fear that yeah. if you implement 
technology between the staff and the guest. It's going to take away from the experience that you're trying to craft for them. And so I, I think all of this Absolutely. is playing in the ether. Especially right in the luxury A hundred percent. I agree. Right? This is agree. all up there. So uh, I, it's a long-winded way of getting to the question uh, about you know, how, how Oracle is positioning itself to, to be able to assist hotels in making that decision that this is a direction that they probably should go. Like, listen to your customers, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's definitely been our focus over the last nine to 10 months is helping, I would say helping customers more with, with the courage for implementation is again, it's not that these ideas have not been percolating for a really long time, but I try to put myself in the shoes of a general manager, let's say of an independent, right? Mm -hmm. You're faced with the unknown. So you're like, okay, do I invest now? Not knowing how long this will last, not knowing if I'm going to be open in six months, in which case my investment goes down the drain. Right. Because sometimes those realities, like no, no matter what your customers may be saying to you right now, it's not that it's not important. It's not that you're not listening, but you're also looking at your arrivals list, which may have 15 people on it. And you used to have 150 people on it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, if this continues much longer, that may become five. So it's really about how do they do the best that they can with what they already have. So what we've done is we've actually created a resource center, which is a global hub that kind of pulls together complementarily training, checklists, uh, informational blogs, and other materials that help our customers navigate these challenges without any investment. Because our message to them has been, you already have or you've already invested in some really good technologies by choosing Oracle in the first place, let us help you do more with what you already have. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to spend another dollar. You may need to spend an extra hour reading a few things and kind of getting retrained or learning about them, but you don't have to invest more because they already have the kind of the power of at their fingertips. They just need to um, understand it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So that that is what we've done, which has been really, really well received because, again, it wasn't us coming to them with a sales pitch like here. If you buy this, all of a sudden you're going to be able to do all these other things. We were basically right. saying you've already invested. Let us help you realize the most out of your investment. So yeah. that has really, really been great. Um, we've also created a technology guide for a touchless just guest journey. So a contactless guest journey. And again, to go back to your point about creating that separation between the guest and the hotels or somebody at the hotel, I, I know that very well. I think that has also been a struggle within luxury world that I know very well and you know very well. It's like, how do you continue to justify or differentiate a luxury hotel from a non-luxury hotel if you remove that personalized experience or that emotional connection that a guest creates with somebody on property? Does it just become about the type of pillow and the amenities that you have in the room, mm -hmm. right? If you if you can't offer the service in a face-to-face -face way. And I and right. I think it's key, but What's important to understand and what we have seen come out of the last six to nine months is that low contact does not have to be low touch, right? right? They, can, they can still sort of deliver that service without necessarily being in the guest space. So we kind of, that, that's sort of this technology guide has helped them do is really, it covers a variety of topics, like I said, including like no touch versus low touch, um, some of the barriers of cost involving integration to these different solutions that we talk about. And again, just helping our customers realize the most out of the investments that they have already made. Um, we've done Innovation Week that was open to different vendors and existing partners dedicated to accelerating the industry's recovery and accommodating the rapidly evolving demand for these low-touch or contactless guest journeys. So really, again, sort of leveraging the community that the hospitality industry as, is as a whole. And we truly are. Like I continue to believe 
and it's probably one of the things that drew me to the mo- most to the industry, even at the beginning, 25 years ago. And while I'm in it, why I'm in it to this day, it's this sense of community camaraderie that exists and just people always connected. I mean, you and I were connected and didn't realize that we were connected until a couple of weeks ago. Right. <laughs> There's always, you know, maximum of, of two points of separation, I think, between anybody within hospitality. So it's so funny that's really what our focus has been. At that, at, yeah, you're right. I mean, in spite of being such a huge industry, it's incredibly small. And you you come across the same players again and again and again. They might be in different roles, but I mean, we're all still out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So Innovation Week for us was hugely successful. Um, The event drew over 450 uh, attendees across more than 200 hospitality integrations, Mm -hmm. um, organizations, sorry, and 40 different countries, all that sort of came together to explore how technology can speed up the rebound. And then I mentioned our integration platform, which was really meant to expand, strengthen and expand the already existing ecosystem that we had with our partner network and make integrations that much easier and faster and more cost effective, both Mm -hmm. for our partners and our customers. I think your point about about low touch isn't low service or or, uh, I can't remember the exact wording that you use, but it's pretty, it's pretty, I mean, you're 100% right on that point. I remember back when Fairmont started rolling out or at least piloted uh, iPads for check-in. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit on this because that was probably six or seven years ago at this point. Uh, but we were one of the pilot hotels in DC to do this. And mm-hmm. that was very much a discussion. And it seems so silly looking back on it. God, yes, you were. The yeah. Paramount Washington was the pilot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it seems so crazy now looking back on that because it's, of course it's not, it's more, it's actually that style of interaction is, I I think is better. It's, it's not transactional. You're not face to face, you're hip to hip. And that is, that's, that, that transforms the, the interaction with the guests. But that was, that to this day is still such a great example, even though it's a little antiquated of using technology to improve the guest experience because it was faster. Uh, but it was, it just didn't see, you're walking up to this big judicial bench and it just seems so it's, it's not as personalized. Yeah. And 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 that kind of stuff is going to show up in 2021. I completely agree. I completely agree with you. And it will become more and more about offering customers choice because for some, there is that sort of familiarity and a comfort about walking up to a front desk. And it's just part of the experience, right? For a lot of people, travel experience begins from the moment that they first step on the plane. Like they want to enjoy everything. They want to know about the pictures in the lobby. They want to know about who are some of the dignitaries or celebrities that have stayed in that hotel. They want to know it all and they want to be able to have a conversation. And then there's some that want that experience to be in the privacy of their guest room. So to be able to have a fully mobile uh, technology uh, and deliver that experience to the guests, whether it's in the comfort of their own room or somebody somewhere in the lobby or when they get out of their car is hugely important. So for us, it's been about non-mandating how our guests need to or how our customers need to interact with their guests. It's about offering them choices and options because that is what the customers will demand. And the only way that we will see recovery is that if people feel comfortable about traveling again and for them to feel comfortable is to feel like they have options and choices um, and don't have to kind of follow some sort of rules that somebody might have arbitrarily invented. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we've talked about contactless and acting as a resource for the industry, which I think is huge. Is there anything else that hotels should be aware of as we move into the new year? Again, I know looking into a crystal ball at this point seems like a bit of a fool's errand, but I think, you know, if we look at some of the more macro trends going on around this and maybe not specific to hotels, uh, the hotel Mm -hmm. uh, demand or demand drivers for hotels, I should say, um, is there anything else that you would recommend that hotels have eyes on as we go into 2021 with respect to technology integration or ways that it could help their businesses? Yeah, we have seen 
ironically, I don't know if you want to call it that, I don't even know what adjective to use anymore, but we have seen uh, the demands for cloud technologies increase even more in the last six to nine months. Again, something that's been discussed for many, many years, but there was always for a lot of hotels a comfort in knowing that their you know, property management system sat in their basement. And On-prem. should the world explode around them, they're going to be safe because that's mm-hmm. over the basement. Again, because of the a shortage in resource that we're seeing, because a lot of staffs have been either you know furloughed or permanently laid off, there's very few people left to support these technologies that used to sit in the basement. So we've seen uh, demands for our cloud offering increase more and more. We've also seen demands for product offerings that are not just targeted at what I would say mid-scale or luxury market segments. A lot of the customers that we have that are kind of down markets, so maybe some independents or you know, limited service, have come to us and said, you know, we've always loved Opera, but we've always felt that it was a little bit too much for us, like it's mm. too big. Too many things, too many buttons, too many functions. Oracle is too big. I'm going to get lost in the Oracle world. And our message to them is sort of twofold, which is no matter what size you are, you still matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, success, our success is not just defined by you know the number of big customers that they have, but it's truly servicing the industry as a whole. And then as far as offering them a product that's tailored specific to their needs, perhaps being on sort of the smaller end of the market. We've introduced what we call Opera Cloud Cloud Services Foundation, which is, I don't want to call it the the basic level, but it's sort of that introductory level to cloud technologies uh, for these new, some of these new markets for us. So as our customers kind of pivot to the cloud, regardless of their size of scope, we, we give them a base to grow from mm-hmm. and to help speed up to recovery. So all those things that we talked about, about you know, modern technologies, being able to have access to the integration platform and the partner network that it brings, but on a smaller scale with fewer features and a lower price point mm-hmm. is something that we introduce specifically for those customers that are like, I have a need, it's an immediate one, and I need um, Oracle to kind of help me now become part of their, their ecosystem. And that's what we've done. So what I would say for the hoteliers that are kind of looking to de-invest a little bit from on-premise technologies and really set themselves up for success, both through the transitionary period and then once the kind of recovery starts, uh, we have something that perhaps fits their needs. So. You know, if I if I had a crystal ball and could look into it or even a magic eight ball, uh, I'm willing to look <laughs> at the magic eight ball and say, here is some of those things that it's like, if you do one, two, three, success will come. I wish I had that, but I don't. All that I can say is that from our perspective, we're here to support the customers and the industry, no matter what they think is the way that will lead them to success. And we have the resources that they can use that don't cost them anything and that perhaps will just give them a few different things to to think about. And, you know, listening to podcasts like this, I think it's just about education and feeling like you're not alone in all of this. I've seen so many different communities pop up in different face group, Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff that never existed in the past where people are just looking for a network of like-minded individuals more to use as like a shoulder to cry on than anything Mm -hmm. else. So I think that's what we're here to do for them as well. Love it. And don't be afraid of the cloud. Don't be be afraid (laughs) of the cloud. Yeah. It's, um, it's certainly not the cloud that your grandfather used as, as they said, it's, uh, you know, scalability, performance, uh, reliability, all those things, and for us, we're lucky enough that we're able to leverage the Oracle cloud infrastructure, which is really kind of uh, un, untouchable, I would say, when it mm-hmm. comes to cloud technologies, not just in hospitality, but the, the world as a whole, is to be able to use that as a foundation for the products and use that cloud infrastructure for our Opera Cloud product is uh, is definitely the key to our success. Love it. Um... Maybe switching gears a little bit, uh, doing a little bit of Monday morning, well, Tuesday morning quarterbacking yeah. <laughs> on on the last kind of nine or 10 months in our industry here. Uh, I mean, you've got a very deep background in hospitality. Um, 
and great perspective. You've been through downturns before. Obviously, this has been unprecedented, but you know, it kind of helps to, to 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 have a little bit of experience so that you can gain perspective on on big things like this. Um, is there anything that surprised you through through the pandemic, through this downturn? Um, good or bad? Did anything stick out at you? What's what's resonated so far? So I don't know to what extent this was a surprise as much of a reminder to the grit and resilience of this industry. Hmm. Because you're right, we have been, as industry as a whole, we have been disrupted either through, you know, different distribution channels. Oh, here come electronic distribution channels. All of a sudden, the hotel is not fully in control of their inventory. They have to worry about, you know, pricing parity and all that kind of stuff. We were an industry that people love to disrupt one way or the other. We had economic downturns. We had, um, obviously, you know, political downturns, uh, health ones that we're seeing, and even now. You're right. Nothing is precedented as, as now. Because what I see as different this time is that the restrictions imposed upon the industry are not controlled by the industry. So it's not about coming up with a better package in order to stimulate demand like Mm -hmm. we could have, let's say, during the financial crisis, which is like, you want to go to Hawaii for $50? No problem. We got a package for you uh, at a hotel there. Now it's it's no matter what you throw at the traveling public, there's somebody above you, i.e. government or whoever, that's saying, no, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to work and invent and you know do things within the restrictions that you cannot control, mm-hmm. which I would say is probably something that's more unprecedented than anything else. Because every single time prior to that, it's always been like you can pull some sort of a lever, right? You can like, okay, I'm going to go to my wholesale community or I'm going to go to my you know, business travels and have some sort of incentives in front of them or I'm going to get my sales teams to you know, put incentives in front of them. None of those levers work today mm-hmm. because there's something greater above it that's restricting it. So it's right. literally waiting for some of those restrictions to be lifted before mm-hmm. you can start pulling some of these levers. So yes, there's been some things that people have been done have done as far as the drive to traffic or travel. And we've seen an increase in that for sure. But it's not going to be the silver bullet. Like you're not going to fill your hotel in London by getting everybody in Toronto to travel to it. It's just, it's <laughs> just right. not going to happen, right? Because right. even simple as hockey teams, right? Kids play can't play hockey because there's a restriction in certain parts of the world. Uh, all of a sudden, the hotels that rely heavily on that weekend business from hockey teams are not seeing any of it. Mm-hmm. So until those sort of things start to resume some sort of normalcy and those sort of restrictions get lifted, um, the hotels will not be able to sort of use all, all the different, like I said, levers in front of them and pull them and try to recover from that perspective. So to answer your original question, which is what has surprised me, what has surprised me is that one, it's not over yet. Honestly, I I don't know what La La Land I was living in, but I'm like, yeah, by September we'll be fine. And then that didn't happen. But then the other one, which was, I said, it was more of a reminder than anything was just our industry's ability to keep standing. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the only way that I can put it is that we keep standing and we keep just sort of trying to think of ways to uh, keep standing. And right. we just need to keep standing. Right, right. I mean, the your point about resiliency and, and creativity. Yes. You know, again, this is an industry that thrives on that. And, you know, while, while we are very good at putting standards and specific ways of doing things in our way, uh, you know, we've there's always been a wide playing field. In, in being able to come at this thing. And some of the things I've been so surprised about is like restaurants turning into grocery stores where yeah. they leverage their suppliers in times when, when people just in town have a hard time getting their hands on the basics. Well, there's a whole back-end supply chain in the hospitality industry that can be leveraged to help people in local communities 
get the things that they need through the restaurants that, by the way, can't be open because the government tells them they can't be open. So there's all, and there's dozens and dozens of examples of that, um, that I think has been, it's been really, um, it's been reinforced for me. Yes. Has that that's the the big positive that has has come away from me, and I hope that we continue going down this path, and we don't go back to the way things were two years ago, where you know you have to say the name three times in every interaction, and answer the phone in three rings, and you have to be very straight down the line. And it's it's I think that this is going to push the industry in ways that we just we 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 have no idea, and which which you alluded to earlier. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You know, the other thing that's also been very interesting to watch and some of the realizations that I have come to is how much we can still accomplish, uh, but in a different way, right? So even the ability to maintain connections with customers and the industry as a whole by not being face-to-face, that would have been unfathomable to me 10 months ago. I would have been like, what do you mean? You can't have it. And and not that I don't believe the travel will resume, and especially group travel. I think that is one of the ones that uh, will need to continue to happen just for you know networking reasons for more than anything. But I know that myself, I will think twice about flying somewhere just for a two-hour meeting, um, right. at least initially. You know what I mean, those things would have been not a problem for me before, and they're certainly not a problem even now, but you definitely, I think, will become, or I will become more uh, cognizant of and more, I, I guess, um, focused on on my time and how I spend it and, and all of that. So yeah. you realize how time is precious, that's for sure. Oh my gosh, is it ever. <laughs> um has has the, the the events of the last pandemic, the last ten months, events of the last ten months, has that affected how Oracle Hospitality does business or supports its clients? Like, has that has has anything permeated into how the company operates? Um, we've definitely had to adjust, sort of, um, in maintaining first creating relationships with new customers and maintaining relationships with existing customers without being able to touch them, so to speak, right? Without right. a handshake, same without problem. A, a hug and a kiss if you're somewhere mm-hmm. in the parts of the world where that is sort of the norm. So especially, I would say, for an industry that is so much about people um, and that is so much about those relationships that help us through not just the good times, but also the bad times to create them and then maintain them just through video conferencing has been adjustment that we've all all had to make. Mm -hmm. And something that I think will carry us through because we will realize that it is possible to do business this way as well. I think we all welcome the sort of that first interaction with the customer that we do can have face-to-face because some things Zoom will just never be able to replace. Exactly. And like I said, big bigger group meetings, I find one-on-one, it's okay. But the moment you kind of get into um, a larger group or be able to have more of a social interaction, you know, over a dinner or a drink or something like that. And it sounds mm-hmm. really trivial, but it plays a big part in sort of creating trust and building trust and all of that. And just the, the relationships as a whole, which is, I think, really the backbone of our industry. So we've had to adjust from that perspective. We've had to adjust in doing implementations remotely, whereas before they have all previously done been on site. So Mm -hmm. thinking through how to ensure that the customers are set up for success with new implementations when there isn't somebody there beside them sort of peering over their shoulder like, no, you're clicking on the wrong button. So that has definitely uh, forced um, more creativity, as you said, and adjustment at our end to figure out how to deliver content successfully while still being remote. But it's something that will serve us well long-term because for a lot of customers, uh, being remote perhaps makes things, gives them the ability to do things faster, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can, you don't have to worry about necessarily travel time. So again, it allows us, it allowed us to test out different ways of doing business that we can continue to apply even when things go back to whatever the new normal is. 
Right. Because again, we'll be able to offer those options and choices. And whether things are done in person or they're done remotely, we've proven out that we can be successful and our customers can be successful mm-hmm. both ways. So that in a way has been sort of a forced um, assessment of new ways of doing business <laughs> for us, which will definitely serve us well long-term. Yeah, I think it's interesting that there's so many, I mean, everything that you outlined is exactly what hotels are dealing with in one way or another, in their own version of that, but it's exactly this. So we're all in the same. Absolutely. What did I, what I've, we're all in the same ocean, just in different boats. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what the... Is that what the term was? But no, I, I think I think it's good. You know, we're we're all trying to find our way. And there's again, you know, from from your side, there will be learnings that come out of this that will undoubtedly transfer into how hotels do do their work and, and support their guests. Um, and, and it's just going to permeate across the board. I think you know, ultimately, it will eventually be positive. We will I, get. I, there. I agree. It's like what is that saying? The uh, necessity is the mother of all invention right something like that and that is sort of what the last nine months have been for the industry as a whole which Mm -hmm. is when there's no other option you figure it out right you don't have time to build a boat to cross the ocean you're gonna get in and swim and that's (laughs) That's what it felt like at times which is like i'm just gonna try it because i have no other options and that Mm -hmm. is as you said what our customers have have uh, have done as well. I mean, who would have thought 10 months ago that a hotel restaurant would be doing takeout for local businesses? Oh like some have done it, but right. not every single one. And now you're just seeing seeing so much more of that, which is which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So and the high-end restaurant, not just the not just you know the burger place down the street. Like yeah high-end restaurants are doing takeout and, and doing it very well. And re- there's a, there's a restaurant here in Seattle called Canless, uh, which is kind of in that, in that French laundry echelon. Uh, and they have been incredibly uh, inventive and imaginative in, in the different packages and promotions and, and, yeah. and reinvention of their restaurant in very short stints. They might only do, you know, three or four weeks of, of a lobster shack. And then three yeah. or four weeks of yurt dining, and then three or four weeks of something else. Um, yeah, I, I I'm so encouraged by the innovation across the board. It's um, it's good to see. Oh, I I really am. And when you think about it, a lot of them have adjusted in a really short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's it's sort of different in the U.S. than than in, it is in Canada and different parts of the world. But what was one thing that was kind of shocking to me initially when this first happened in in March, and we were actually in the U.S. during March break, which is like spring break here. I had to make our way back and all of that. But certainly in in Canada or in Toronto specifically, very very few businesses were ready for e-commerce, if I want to call it that, mm-hmm. right? grocery stores unheard of there was like one that had delivery and that was probably just for like the seniors community restaurants and all of that and you saw those things change very quickly i would say within 30 days they found a way to organize themselves and be able to um sort of just kind of deal with it Mm -hmm. so when the restrictions came in upon us 30 days ago which was sort of the second wave it didn't feel as dramatic. Mm. And I, and, and again, I don't know whether it didn't feel as dramatic because we were like, oh, here we go again. We're used to it. But things felt a lot more dramatic back in March where it was like long lineups in front of grocery stores. or you mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, walk into a grocery store. There was like no flour because everybody decided that they were going to bake, myself right. included. This time around, although, yes, the restrictions are still here. It just felt more normal, if mm-hmm. I dare use that word. And right. again, I don't know whether that was a, an adjustment on behalf of the people and their attitudes or the businesses themselves adjusting. It's it's the businesses, right? They're like, oh, I need to make sure that we are stocked up with toilet paper and with flour because we're right. poor, everybody's <laughs> going to be hoarding those two things. Right. But it's certainly even within, within a short period of time, I would say, the adjustments that the businesses have made within hospitality, but also outside of hospitality to deal with it have mm-hmm. been astounding. Very it, rapid. I completely agree. It's inter- it's actually a callback to what we were talking about earlier, where you have the opportunity now, whether that's 
that's a real opportunity or just a psychological acceptance that you can figure it out on your customer's behalf. Like they're yeah. much more forgiving these days because they just want their flour or they just want their takeout meal or yeah. whatever the thing is. So you're not working through these operational challenges and hiccups along the way where normally you didn't want to do that necessarily, especially with tech adoption. I mean, this is kind of rounding out the entire conversation because you didn't want to have those, those issues in that downtime on your customer's behalf today there's a little bit more acceptance for it. So yeah, go for it. It's, it's, it's been amazing. You know, I always quote, uh, there's a, a line in Jurassic Park movie that I love, which one of the characters says, nature finds a way. And that's how I kind of looked at this the last six months. It's like nature found a way. The human spirit found a way to persevere and adjust in a very short period of time and find mm-hmm. a way to survive and yes not everybody's like some people are just surviving they're not you know necessarily uh, thriving or even maintaining their status quo from nine months ago but everybody has found a way to just as i said keep standing yeah i think that is the perfect place to end the conversation tanya this has been uh, great thank you so much for being on the show if people want to learn more about you get in touch with you learn more about oracle hospitality what's a good place for them to go Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. That's always a good place to start. And uh, I love, I love talking to people in the industry. I always learn something new. 25 years later, I am still astounded by, like I said, our, our spirit and tenacity and perseverance and grit. And every story that I hear about somebody that has found a new way to to do something and to continue to survive and thrive. uh, I love it keeps me, it keeps me humbled and it keeps me hopeful and it keeps me focused on doing the right thing for our customers in our industry. So thank you for this opportunity. It was really great. You bet, Tanya. Thanks so much again. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. This was my episode with Tanya Pratt. You can get in touch with her on LinkedIn. I'll link to her profile in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help revamping your business strategy or just someone to work with on a project or a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast.